Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. On today's episode, we have Deborah Paul from Robbins Research, essentially Tony Robbins, uh, here to talk with us. She's in charge of sales operations. And what we're specifically talking about on this call is, do you know a company on the planet that is bigger into live events, has more of a reputation in just their process of trans transitioning over to online-based events, really by necessity, but also trying to keep that same quality. Uh, this is a really interesting conversation to me, not so much just because of here's the three steps to make the transition over to this thing. We don't actually really talk about that, but just to get inside the mind of the Robbins crew, because this is the company of push, breakthrough, 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 and then they came up against a situation where like the whole world shut down you're not breaking through, how do you pivot? So just some of the conversations and the things that went on internally inside of that Robbins organization was just a lot of fun to learn about, hear about, uh, and just hear how Deborah sort of handled it throughout. So with that in mind, I'm gonna transition over to the podcast. Enjoy. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, and I've got with me Deborah today. Deborah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Deborah Paul, and I'm the head of operations at Tony Robbins' company called Robbins Research International. Glad to have you on. And we were reminiscing on this a little bit right before we, we hit the record button. And the, the funny thing about how we got to know each other is it was like, I think, what, two, three months before the COVID lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And we got in a conversation together and you're like, hey, I, we've been heavily filled sales. I think we need to go digital. And so you started getting into this conversation on like, how can we digitize our workforce? And so we got, we like went through this project together, um, sort of, signed it off. It, it went like pretty well from my perspective. Your team started doing some like inside sales types of things. And then literally like three weeks later, everything was shut down. Uh, <laughs> like, like talk about a 180 pivot for the Tony Robbins crew, right? It was intense. I mean, yeah, we, we started conversations, I think initially just with demos and you know, getting getting the sales leaders acclimated to what a world, um, you know, with the digital transformation could look like in the fall of 2019. And it was like, all right, you know what? Our busiest time of the year is the end of the year. We have most of our events. We have one of our most um, beloved events, State with Destiny, at the end of the year. And we're just, you know, like most companies, end of year is just really busy and, and it is for us too. And then we're like, okay, well, after in January, that's going to be a great time to launch. We had a whole launch plan. Um, and you're right. And then it was March of 2020 where, yeah, I, I thought I had everything dialed in. I was a new kid on the block. I was making things happen, you know, I was changing lives and everything was going swimmingly. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then it wasn't all, all of a sudden, right? <laughs> Uh, and that's, I mean, that's really the premise of our, like our conversation today is, and, and I, th I think over the last two years, there's been so much out there about how to move to, uh, remote events. And now we're even talking about going back to in-person and all these things. Um, and so in some ways this topic's been hit, 
But at the same time, like when I was thinking about chatting with you today, I was thinking, man, like Tony Robbins is perhaps the most famous event company on the planet. And there's nothing like a Robbins event. I mean, you go there, it's in, I mean, like people's lives are changing, crazy things are occurring. People walk out of these things having like, like many people would say like a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, here's Deborah Paul thinking, let's get people running on outreach and doing some SCP things. And then like two months later, all of a sudden, like you can't do in-person events. Like I have to know inside, you know, the secret places of Tony Robbins, right? Like, like what's the conversation? Wow. Well, I mean, and, and that's true what you're saying about the impact, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, it's, it's a famous events company because Tony Robbins is, has made an imprint because of the impact that he has on people's lives. It's the transformation, it's the breakthrough, and it's about reaching more and more people all over the world, as many people as we can impact as, as possible, you know? So like our version of, you know, like most companies, like global domination is their, is their eventual outcome, right? And I guess ours is similar, except with, you know, um, a benevolent edge, which is really to just impact as many lives as possible. And so, you know, honestly, it was a blessing in disguise that we had that seed planted, that outreach seed and, um, you know, creating a way to communicate with people that was more aligned with how they wanted to be communicated to. So we were already kind of thinking in our minds about how do we need to adjust our outreach methods so that we talk to people who are in living in the world that they're living in now so that we can really speak to where they're at and we could really try to get more people to events. I mean, that's what most companies are using outreach for. And for us, I just like to put it in that context because exactly what you're saying when that moment hit where, oh no, <laughs> you know, we're not doing in-person events anymore we still had the same outcome and it was just, okay, now how do we leverage what we have to get there? So the conversations were really focused to your point on how do we need to change this content? What are people worried about right now? What speaks to them today? What are their biggest fears? What are their, what are, you know, and people didn't, didn't lose their dreams overnight, right? They didn't lose their goals for themselves and their families and their children and their communities. Um, they just had different priorities, I think, at that moment in time. And so it was an opportunity for us to really help people and speak to them and create connections and community where people were being isolated from all of that. Well, I think you're talking about there's like two sides to this whole, like we had to shut down and go digital, right? And one of them is like, the, the actual people in your company doing their work, right? And that's how sort of the outreach side facilitates your marketing automation, you know, some of the different tools and technologies out there that can allow you to do work, you know, from Zoom or, you know, whatever else. Uh, but then there's the other side of like, you specifically have a product that for a very long time, you know, up until very, very recently was like an in-person product, right? So not only does your whole team suddenly have to learn to work remotely and through all this different process and mechanisms. But the very way that you're actually pitching and positioning your product is very different in the way you're following through. I mean, I remember I've been through, oh, like two or three company 
all hands or like sales kickoffs or whatever that had a Robin's coach come and we, you know, we're breaking through wooden boards and people are screaming and yelling. So like, is there a moment in Tony Robbins when you're like, where anybody for a moment, and maybe you can't answer this. I don't know, but maybe for a moment or like, how in the world do we do that event? Like on zoom, like how does, like, how do we capture that? Yeah. I mean, unleash the power within on the very first night after a full day of content, you're walking on fire, literally right. walking on fire. So <laughs> that doesn't translate that well to the digital experience unless you have, you know, very well advanced uh, VR, which I people are working on um, to the point where you can get those types of sensations of, you know, but uh, uh, no, outside of that, we had to figure it out. We did end up going with board breaking because it was a tool that we had used in the past. And even in, I mean, imagine the conversations we had, you know, how are we going to let people do this at home with no supervision? We don't want anybody to get injured. We don't want anybody to, you know, we didn't want anything to happen. Even breaking a board, if, if the proper technique isn't taught, you know, certainly things can happen. Um you know, hopefully parents are responsible for their children, you know, at the time. But it's like, once you mail that out to a client, you know, then it, you don't have control. You have less control. So yeah, you can't, you can't really be telling people, Hey, go take, make a campfire out in your yard. <laughs> and then at like minute 37 of the webinar, like go out and walk on it and then just come back in. Right. Like yeah. that, that's just, that's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. I mean, when we do it, we have to get, you know, permits for that kind of thing. Fire department, you know, medical staff on site, everything. So no. So it was, and it was about that. And to that point, it's not just the physical nature of, you know, at, at an immersive event, you're jumping up and down, you're dancing, you're giving high fives, you know, you're doing wacky things with your physiology to kind of get you out of yourself and, you know, change your physiology you know, you change your whole state of mind, right? So, it, but it's not just about the physicality, right? It's also about the energy. It's about the connection of just being around other people in the room. It's about, I mean, we know that. We go to, just go to any concert for just as an example, not that it's a concert, but you feel that energy of the crowd, the cheering, the lights, the music like that. You immerse yourself in that experience. You feel really connected to everyone who's there, enjoying that experience with you. And, and, that was one of our major considerations and something very important to Tony and the team is how do we make sure we deliver something like that? Like we know what it's like to sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day. We're asking people to do that for you know 12 hours, 14 hours. How are we going to make that just as engaging or more so um, in a Zoom virtual environment than if they're in the stadium with everybody else? It was definitely a challenge. But I mean, ultimately... We And again, we talked about this before we hit record. What's interesting for your organization is there were several things sort of like simmering under the surface, like right before the lockdowns that you were like, like, we should do this. But like, ah, I, I don't know. It's not time or it's not the right place. But like you literally got put into a position where like adapt or die. Right. And it's like that's an amazing thing to even say, considering the the just how prolific the Robbins brand really is, but it's based on something you have to be in person for. Right. Um, and so 
what this ended up doing, correct me if I'm wrong, is like some of these things your team was already toying with, like you just had to quickly, quickly innovate and just say, listen, we got to do this. Um, like on the one hand, you mentioned being benevolent, we want to change people in dreams, but there's also a survival side of this, right? Of like, well, as an organization, like if we want to fulfill our mission, we also need to survive, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah. uh, you know, talk through a little bit of how some of that like just rapidly accelerated or some of the change that went on there. Yeah. I mean, it's like our hardcore San Jose, California clients. I mean, that was the event where it was canceled one or two days before. Um, and only because, uh, at the time governor Newsom said, that's it. No, you can't do it. Shutting down the arena. And so we already had our ground crew there setting up. Um, and I was actually about to get on a flight the next morning and, and it was called. So, um, imagine how our clients felt, you know, some of them are flying in from other countries overseas, um, but all over the world. And you know, we had to, I think some of them were probably already in their flights. Some of them probably were already there, um, in California. And so we, you know, we didn't know then what we know now was that it was going to be such a length of time that things were shut down, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the right. time we just thought, okay, well, we'll just leave California. You know, we'll, it can, what, what venue can we get in another state that's open? And, you know, probably this thing will blow over or, you know, get better and everything will be fine. So, we'll flatten the curve in about six weeks. Oh, yeah, flatten the curve. I remember that. We don't really talk about that anymore. But, yeah, I remember that was a little rage. And then so we went from, I mean, I remember we tried Dallas, Chicago, Florida, and New York even. So I think one, two, three, four, at least four or five different locations we had secured a space for, set a date for, communicated to our clients that we're doing it. People changed their travel plans. I mean, because our clients still wanted to meet in person. I mean, they still wanted to have this experience or really looking forward to it. And again, we don't know uh, then what we knew now. So when it became just extremely obvious a couple of months later, I mean, mind you, we're sitting here chasing our tail. Imagine internally the turmoil of having to pivot, not just from live to virtual. I think that almost would have been easier, but we went from live to live to live to live to live to virtual. And that made it so much more difficult because we were just, we were like going a hundred miles an hour towards each goal. Um, because Tony's like, no, I'm not going to, let this obstacle stop me. You know, I can't let this stop me. I won't let this loss. I won't let this stop me. You know, we'll find a way wherever it's legal and safe to do this. We're going to do this. Um, and then it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't something we could do to our clients anymore. It wasn't something we could do to your point, to our internal team anymore. What was the moment? Like, what was the moment? Like, what was the thing that occurred that everybody's just like, okay, we gotta, we gotta just like start from zero here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, you can only, take so much you know of I mean it was like 24 you know we of course we still have to took care of ourselves but it I barely I mean because we were just to put on one of these and other companies and people who put on live events I mean I mean even ask a wedding planner <laughs> what if you had to take that everything you've done for that 10 exit and then change it every 17 days to a totally different state with all different vendors and you know, different. This sounds fantastic. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, those uh, uh, individuals in your audience who are familiar that will feel like a, spe- a very special place of pain in their in the depths of their soul. So, I think it was just 
it was just time. It was enough. Enough was enough. And um, Tony has some really good friends in the industry who've been doing virtual events. It's something that, again, to your point in your original question, it's something that the company had been thinking about doing. You know, we could reach more people. I mean, we thought about it in the past. Like, the cost is far less. Uh, you remove some barriers for the clients who can't travel, can't spend that much time away from home due to children or finances or work obligations or what have you. Um, we've discovered, you know, now, I mean, virtual is just, it's so much more accessible and affordable for people. So they were able to convince him. Um, he was also very skeptical. But in true Tony fashion, he innovated in a way that he felt like he could actually get the outcome for people because why it had been resisted for so long was wanting to make sure that people had that same experience, you know, that we were talking about earlier, where they had they feel the energy, they're they're engaged, that they are really immersed, that they're tuned in, that they're doing the work, right? That they're doing the breakouts, they're doing the exercises. They're uh, talking to their peers next to them or in a breakout room, right? In Zoom, that they're really working together, that they're diving deep, that they have access to the trainer, that they're, you know, really super hyper engaged and that they can feel Tony's presence there. And that that focal point um, and that leadership is just so prevalent to guide them through their transformation and their breakthroughs. And so, I mean, he, he probably didn't sleep very much working through how the content could be reshaped, how the, you know, what can he get out of his tool bag that can really just make the most impact. And we went over it and over it and over it and over it. Um, and we eventually had, you know, a free, uh, challenge for people, um, where Tony promised he was going to go live for, you know, an hour a day for five days. He went live for free, uh, to anybody who signed up for three, four hours at certain points in time for seven days, right. Just to give people, I mean, people were hurting, you know, everybody across the world was hurting so, so poorly at that point. Um, you know, it was such a pronounced time. If we can remember. I mean, we still had no idea we we're going to come out on the other side. We still had no idea how many people were going to lose their lives, their homes, their jobs. Um, and so, he just wanted to help people. And out of that came a little bit more of a confidence booster. That, like, okay, you really can reach people. I mean, the communities were blowing up. The engagement, not just in what he noticed, it was not just with him, right, and with the event. Um, but it was with each other and building that community and saying, oh yeah, that happened to me too. And just the bringing of people, bringing people together was, um, incredible. And then offered them at the end of that event, Hey, you know what? I've never done a virtual UPW before unleash the power within, but I'm going to do it. Um, and if you'd like, you know, we were going to put tickets up for that. And, um, yeah, we had our largest, UPW in the history of the company because I think it was virtual and because it was just at a time when serving people had just a, an enormous impact. Is is there like one or two things that you can speak to related to doing these events virtually that like the Robbins crew committed to this concept and that's what made the difference of engagement because there's so like there's just so much online whatever today and most of it, like you sign on, you sort of fall half asleep and you just kind of get through it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but is there, is there anything that's just like at the core of how this was put together that if somebody's going to walk away from this today, they're like, Oh yeah, I got to consider this if I'm doing something online. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you've, you have to obsess over every detail, like obsess over it and set a new standard. Just nothing is good enough. I mean, I remember it's sort of a similar concept, but I was like taking these art classes and I was, we were doing portraits with like charcoal and stuff. And I, I was doing my partner, you know, and he was doing me. And then the teacher came around and she said, okay, that's actually, that's really good. Now I want you to take your hand and just erase it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I said it was good. <laughs> you know, and I was really proud of it. I didn't want to do it again. I'd already been doing it for like three, four hours. And she was like, just do it again. And it's this very similar concept. It's like when you think it's good enough, it's not. It could be better. And so keep going. Keep questioning, asking questions, dive into the details. Well, what about this? What about that? I mean, it's sort of the, the key to innovation, right? It's like the yes and. And just adding on ideas, creating an environment in your team where that's not only accepted, but it's encouraged. What else can we do? What else can we do? Okay, and what else can we do? So I've, I've got two questions for you, and I'm not sure uh... – I might get in trouble for asking you this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it to you. From who me? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was was there was there ever a point, you know, be honest with me here, was there ever a point when you were like in the middle of all this shift and you were thinking, This is impossible? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, it, yes and <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> now you're applying your own logic here. I like it. <laughs> Gotta get your own cooking. You know, like Tony, the the Tony Robbins sort of vein is is this whole like like you said, like we're going to break through, we're going to break through, we're going to break through, and sometimes, uh, you know, are you are you allowed to doubt? And like that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if I can ask this or not, but like that's part of breakthrough in some ways of like you hit those places of this is impossible, but you keep going. That's why I was curious for you, mm-hmm. like internally at an org, this is, this is kind of like just an interesting microcosm, like for Tony Robbins org, right. The Robbins research to have to go through such this transformation uh, and like push through all this, but like for your own team and you personally, was there ever just that point of like, this isn't going to work. And like, mm-hmm. how did you manage that? Oh yeah. I I would say only by just having, making really good friends with my team, everybody on the team, we just got so close. And I think there were times when each of us, I don't think there's any exceptions. We're just like, I don't, I don't think we can, I don't think I can do it anymore. I'm like broken. I'm in a puddle. Like the pressure is so intense. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know how we're going to deliver this. We've never done it before. What if it doesn't work? I mean, and I think of course that's okay. And what's great is like, you know, it's like any two people in a relationship, like somebody can always be down or have a bad day. It just can't be both people <laughs> at the same yeah, time. When it's both people, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it can, but then it would really suck. So no, I mean, we had, we had less people. So we became even tighter. Um, we had to just kind of take things on. I think ignorance is bliss. I mean, some of us did like jobs and things that, we'd never done before and we had no idea like if what we were doing was great or but we didn't care we just had to get the outcome at the end of the day and you know we relied on each other like hey take a look at this what do you think um and we pick pick each other up when you know we just felt like oh i just i don't really know how i don't really know how we're going to be able to do this you know and we we just have such a great team of 
um, yeah, camaraderie and friendship and uh, support. And the good thing is if we always fall back on some of the content that Tony teaches, um, other people that we admire in the industry of, you know, what would they say? What would they do? Like, what, what is this for? You know, and I think it's like getting leverage on yourself at the end of the day. It's like, well, what's the real risk here? Like if we don't try at all, then, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. Was that, is that Wayne Gretzky? Is that, is that who the, uh, the famous quote is, uh, the Chicago girl. So it's going to either be Wayne Gretzky or Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Well, I've seen it attributed to both (laughs) actually. Right. Um, so I was I was thinking about this though. So let's talk a little bit about hustle culture. Uh, there's been a huge blowback if you've been reading online about any of this and just kind of catching some of the social uh, trends there about how um, like you know you shouldn't live at your job or you shouldn't just hustle 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 and and like usually those are the people that are praised. But is that actually healthy? And there's this whole sort of side of things. But then there's another side of life, like thinking about the scenario that you just went through is like, in order to survive, you must hustle. Like there is no other option. And so um, just thinking through this sort of hustle culture pushback, but also some of the things that you went through, do you got any like good wisdom on when like hustling is healthy Mm. versus when like, no, now it's time to slow down? you know, especially looking for insights, you know, you're coming from that Tony Robbins vein, which again is like, we're going to break through, break through, break through. And often like breakthrough requires hustle. Mm. Uh, so is there any balance or any thoughts you can add to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, you've kind of summarized it well in your last word there. Like, is there any balance? Yes, there is. If you create balance and boundaries. Um, and I think it's, it's, um, you know, we talk about work-life balance and then, you know, and there's a lot of different ways to say that, right? So does that mean that you're working from eight to five Monday through Friday and absolutely no five o'clock meeting is permitted and your boss can't leave you an audio on Saturday because they were inspired and they say, you know, think about it and let me know what you think Monday. Like, is that not okay? I mean, I think that there's, maybe it's not right for some people. And I think everyone has to decide that. And I think it has to be, have some context right? Our business is cyclical with the events. And so we're not hustling, hustling so hard. Like I just described, I mean, uh, like that probably, hopefully never <laughs> again, but I get you there. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, but maybe, and I guess if some, something crazy happened, I mean, we, we now know we can do it right. And we have the right people for the job, but I think that in general, I mean, we, because of our business, we're always hustling before an event, you know, we have immersive events that are 12, 14 hours. And, you know, maybe if you're in a certain position at the end of that event, you're processing orders till three o'clock in the morning. So we can have the best, you know, sales results. So we know what we're going to do for, you know, close down, um, or, you know, you're capturing survey results so we get that get back to people right away to acknowledge, you know, that we've incorporated their feedback. I mean, so there's certain roles, uh, in certain positions at certain times in our company that are going to require hustle. And I think that that's going to be true, uh, probably for most roles in most companies. I mean, I even thought about this the other day, 
someone who was talking to me about, you know, they just want a very clear work-life balance without any exceptions. And I, and I said to somebody I was talking to, I said, oh, well, then maybe you should be an accountant. Maybe they should be an accountant, you know. And then I thought about it more and I said, oh, you know what? Now I have to correct myself because they have month, month-end clothes. They have month-end. My wife's end. an accountant. Then. Yeah. Right. Year-end Order-end, year-end, taxes. Tax season. <laughs> I mean, because so... You know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not imaginative enough or I don't have experience with enough job roles, but I think probably there's some hustle required at some point in time for any role that you do in any industry. And, you know, especially for a small business owner, ask them, you know, how hard they hustle, when's enough enough. Um, I, I think every person needs to decide that for themselves. I think the what you're talking about too, though, that when people are making constant and clear sacrifices of any kind of a life that they have unnecessarily when they work for a company and they're in a leadership role specifically, or maybe even not, but they have a very pivotal role. It's very visible and they're constantly rewarded for that sacrifice. Like you had said, like a pat on the back for, you know, Oh, like this person sacrifices everything for this company. And then we put them up on a pedestal. I think that's a culture we want to avoid. Absolutely. Because at the same time, you can tell a person like that, Oh, well, you should have said, no, you should have created more boundaries, you know? And you know what they tell you on the way out the door is like, yeah, I should have, you know, but I, I didn't, and I was rewarded for that. And so I think that is absolutely the culture we want to avoid because we, we can't underestimate the impact that culture has uh, on us as humans, you know, and at the end of the day, if you ask me if I have a job, because like, do I live to work or work to live? I mean, I think what most people's instinct is, and you know, if you love your work, sometimes you will hustle and maybe you'll, you know, spend that Saturday getting things done. Cause you're excited about that project. So is that wrong? I don't think so. You know, that's just, that's in the eye of the beholder. Makes me think about, uh, I used to, tell people all the time think if you think about a sales reps comp plan like what are they compensated on that's the behavior you're rewarding so that's mm-hmm. how they're going to behave mm-hmm. so like boy this salesperson doesn't like to come to any meetings ever well yeah you don't compensate them for it right like and they, they don't, don't get like, called they, out right because they're the top salesperson so they pretty much have yeah they don't on. update the crm well they don't get compensated okay. for that they get compensated for closed deals right like like if, if you want an action bake it into the comp plan right i mean but like that might take from something else. And so anyway, I think that's a fair comment of like, I think I might be guilty of that, of saying, well, hey, if you have a boundary, just tell me. Okay, like fair, but is that actually fair? Because like, is everyone going to come to you and say, here's my boundary? Probably not, right? Right. I think it's about creating a safe space, you know, and incentives are more than just about money. You know, some incentives, it's like, okay, what if you're not in sales and how do you create that culture of behavior? And it is, it's like, uh, we read about this in economics, right? There's like social incentives, moral incentives, and uh, those definitely take part in the culture and the behavior that you're demonstrating. Um, on the, and it goes, it's usually top down on the leadership team. What's everyone doing? What are they, how are they perceived? I mean, there's careful nuances in a culture and a community that you have to to sort through. And I think it's just about creating that safe space. You know, sometimes, you know, I tell my team, I give them a choice. I say, Hey, this is what we need to get done. Like who wants to do it? Who wants to take on this project? And at the end of the day, you get like a free comp day or, you know, cause to some people, 
instead of the money, they, I mean, of course, I'm sure they'd like some money too, but if they had their choice, <laughs> they might prefer to just spend the day with their family and get paid for that, you know? Oh, we did a, we did a really stupid spiff once where like we were trying to motivate salespeople with money, which, you know, money can be part of it. We couldn't get anyone moving. Yeah. So we created a stupid spin wheel where like if you did certain activities, you'd get, you could, and the prizes were like two cents, house plant. Uh, like <laughs> this it. person will do an interpretive dance. Like it was all like just <laughs> ridiculous things. And I mean, we had tried to spiff people with like thousands of dollars, wow. no change of behavior. Wow. We hand out free spins at the end of the, at the end of the week. And people were losing their minds whenever they would win two cents. And everyone's going, you know, the place is pandemonium and all this stuff. Like, I got two pennies. Like, wife's going to be happy tonight. We're like, this is insane. Like, we literally offered you $2,000. And now you want two spins so you could win maybe 50 bucks or two pennies or a house plant. Okay, whatever. But you're so so right. Like, people are incentivized just so differently. Yeah, and they they take cues from each other. I just, um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I I'd love to be. I love a, a spin of the wheel. We do that in one of our events. And I, I I brought it up recently. We were talking about like culture and internal or internal clients and how to inject some more fun into the culture. And I just like my hand shot up and I was like, wheel, 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 wheel. spin wheel. So, so you're the person who wants the two cents. I got it. Yeah, I want I want like a two dollar bill and I want like a, your stuff frog beanie baby and i want yeah this is the sillier the better yeah exactly <laughs> well uh deborah i know we're we're coming right up on time so i want to say thanks for coming and join Aww. us today and just walking through some of the stuff that went on um again appreciated having you here um thanks and for, for anybody you. listening yeah for anybody listening uh we hope to have you tune in next time sounds great so, always great speaking with you jordan Yeah. See you later, Deborah. Stay out of trouble. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Hot dog. That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.